0: Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Mulk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as hip-hop slash skateboarding filmer, writer, drunken philosopher. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition of the Humans of Twitter list, Dan D'Souza. Hello. Dan, hello, welcome.
1: Thank you. How's your morning been, Steve?
0: Oh, look, my morning's been great, mate. So far, <laughs> so good. I mean, there's no deaths on the table, and that's a win.
1: That's always a win.
0: In social settings, how do you introduce yourself?
1: Um, just as Dan, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy who does some fun things, and and you know, I, I prefer to listen and and hear what everyone else is up to. To be
0: honest, sure. Do you find that that is uh, an excellent way of connecting with people in that, just that moment where you go, hi, I'm Dan and, and then everyone sort of drops in or does it get awkward?
1: Um, 100%. I mean, I, I'm, I, uh, one thing I learned early on in my career, uh, and in terms of filming, especially is, um, you know, the more connections you make, the more opportunities are going to open for you and the more opportunities you can, can open for other people as well. Um, yeah. Just yesterday, there was actually an Instagram account who they're called The Way We Met. And they tell stories of couples and how they got together. And uh, a very good friend of mine, Avery, used to be Avery Harvey. She's now Avery Cole. Um, married a photographer from New York called Mel D Cole, who's a very famous hip hop photographer, um, and. I introduced them. You know, I said to Avery, Hey, you're heading to New York. You should look up this guy. He has really great work. She's a hip hop photographer in Sydney. Uh, they ended up meeting in New York and caught up a couple of times. Um, and not too long later they, they got married. So
0: that's great. Yeah. It's all about the connections. Dan DeSue's are bringing people together. (laughs) Dan, what's the biggest thing to have happened to you? Wow. That's a
1: tough one. Um, I guess give a little backstory of how I ended up in Australia. Um, I was in a relationship. It wasn't the healthiest relationship. Um, I ended up in, in quite a lot of debt because I had everything in my name. And, uh, oh, you know, wow. first long-term relationship, I wanted to keep her happy. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll get that $1,000 cell phone. We'll get that, you know, mm-hmm. trip to Japan. We'll do that. Um. So I was living in Auckland, and mm-hmm. it just it wasn't a good situation for me. One of my best friends was living in Melbourne, and he's like, "Man, come to Melbourne." And I said, "Oh, I don't know. You know, Australia's so close to home; it's not really going to be that different. I, I don't know." And he said, I, "I'm at lunch. Uh, sorry, I'm at work. I'll call you back at lunch." Ten minutes later, he calls me back, and he said, "I've booked you a flight, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. You have to wow. be on it because I can't get a refund."
0: <laughs> so I wow. came to
1: Australia with $200 in my pocket, no idea what I was going to do, no job, nothing. You know. And, um, that changed my life. You know, that was the first big, big moment that really got me on the direction and, and on the path that I'm in now. So it was huge and I'll always be in his debt for that.
0: What, what do you do on that first day when you land? Was it like, okay, I need to, to find this friend and and say hi. And also note that he's probably got a couch I can sleep on.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, I, funnily enough, he didn't have a couch. It was a, <laughs> a blow up mattress on the floor in the kitchen. <laughs> And so I lived on that blow up mattress for three months, and during that three months, he actually moved out. And uh, these Australian guys, Joey Dodd and Dion Waterman, who are um, both really good guys, they were nice enough to let me stay until I got enough money up to go get my own place, um, which I thought was huge. You know, these guys didn't know me from a bar of soap before I moved yeah, that's over. So great. Um, but yeah, just fantastic people, and, and you know, uh, was just the, the first of many opportunities and, and things that came my way living here. Um, there's been a lot of other, you know, the first time I, I filmed an international hip hop artist was Rob Swift. He's a DJ from the Executioners. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, Jimmo, um, who runs KeepUp.com.au, he he called me up and said, hey, Rob's doing this thing. Would you be interested in coming down and shooting it? And, um, you know, I went along. I was quite nervous. I'm meeting this guy whose music I've loved for so long. And, and you know, it's a huge thing. Yeah. But I loved it so much. I had so much fun that night that I've ended up uh, over the last sort of eight or nine years, I've ended up filming hundreds of international artists. Um, and, and to be honest, a lot of it was for free. I just did it because I respected their music, respected who yeah. they were as people and, and wanted to help promote that. So, you know, it's, it's given me a huge folio, which has then led to me being uh, in more creative roles and, and led to me meeting even more cool people. That's so great. Yeah, it's all those opportunities, you know. Can't um can't knock any opportunity back.
0: To to jump back to the Australia thing, when you landed here, had you been filming stuff while you were living in New Zealand, or was that just something that you picked up, or was a, a, yeah, a desire I'd, that you had?
1: I'd kind of gotten started because I I used to be a sponsored rollerblader, funnily enough, um, for a company <laughs> nice. called K Two, and um. A friend of mine, the the crew that I used to hang out with, one of them had a video camera. And so he he was a much better skater than I was, um, Matt Tipar. And so he would always say, you know, can you film this? Can you film this? Can you film this? And that was kind of my start, you know, just borrowing his camera to shoot him. Awesome. And um, I also had an uncle who was studying a broadcasting degree at the time. And so I'd sit and watch him edit on, the, you know, the very, very early days of, of Premiere Pro. And um Absolutely loved what he was doing. I was like, man, you know, you can can really get creative with video. You can tell a story and you can, you know, for, for instance, in an interview, you and I are having this back and forth. But later on, you could chop one question further back and, and change the context of the interview altogether. Mm. And I thought that's such a powerful thing to be able to do. Um, and so between those two guys, I, I sort of got inspired to, to pick it up. And I bought my friend's camera secondhand, you know, a couple of hundred dollars. It wasn't the best camera, but, um, you know, it did the job. Mm. And when I moved to Australia, the guy that who, who paid for my flight, Shane Matthewson, he's a, a pro skater for Zoo York. And he said, hey, man, come film my skating, come film my skating. And so that was kind of my introduction into filming. And um, eventually I just thought, you know what, I'm really loving this. And I'm just going to, even though I'm already in debt, I was in, in you know, at the time I said about $78,000 debt. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to invest in myself, put myself out on a limb, and I got a ten thousand dollars loan from the bank. Went and bought myself a, a proper HDV camera, mm. and um, just ran with it. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, it was. Um, it's been a, a hard journey, but you know, a lot of um, a
0: lot of struggle along the way. But you know, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I can imagine. And dude, climbing over the top of seventy eight thousand dollars debt because of a lady—that's massive
1: yeah well, it was um a lot of it was just silly things, you know, higher purchases, and you know we had a an apartment that was all in my name, and um when we moved out we we'd signed up for, a, for like a twelve month lease and we we moved out short notice, so of course, that was another addition yeah. to the cost um, yeah. it adds up, gosh, it sure
0: does, yeah,
1: but debt free now, I'll say that well, excellent,
0: excellent news. I think if we look back there's probably. You talk about it being an unhealthy relationship. There's all there's all sorts of things that we've done in the name of love that uh, you know may not have cost seventy eight thousand bucks, but certainly <laughs> have felt like it. Definitely, and you know, and, and I did. I love the
1: girl. You know, she's um, mm. I, I bear her no ill will. She's she's an amazing person. She's like married now and, and living in Europe. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, and as much as that held me back uh, in terms of, you know, for, for a lot of years I had no social life cause I felt bad going to places and being like, I've got no money. Can um, someone help me with a drink? You know, um, at the same time, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. I would never have had all those opportunities. I would never have met all those people, you know, so everything, even if it's a, if it's a negative uh, in the initial instance, it's always a blessing, you know, and, and sets you in the right direction.
0: What's, What's the coolest thing that you've got to to film?
1: Man, that's a tough one. Um, I've made some really good friends through the filming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the guys who's a, I count as a very good friend is Southpaw, who's an Immortal Techniques producer in New York. Yeah. And he's like family to me now. You know, we met when, uh, when they toured here um, in Melbourne. And I sort of helped them out with a few things and, and, you know, they ended up hanging out for a day and they really inspiring guys and um, me and him have kept in touch since. And so, you know, I've got, I've got a lifelong friend out of that, which is really cool.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Along with, with all the artists I've met, you know, <laughs> so it's, um, yeah. it's been, been pretty interesting.
0: Have you had a chance to travel say to New York and to, to see some of these, these guys in their natural environment?
1: Not to New York. Um, in the past couple of years, I, to celebrate getting out of debt, I decided to take myself to Vanuatu. Um, so I went to Vanuatu, which was another another crazy adventure. I ended up getting really sick um, oh. from the guy that I, I sat next to on the plane. There was a guy who was was quite obviously coughing and and fluey on the plane. So I arrive in Vanuatu, looking forward to this amazing trip, and going to go diving. I'm going to see the underwater post office, and, and you know this beautiful mm. island. And um, was there for seven days, and six of those days I ended up spending in bed, which oh. was um, not the best way to spend a holiday. But you know what? I got to go diving at the end of it, and um, uh, you know I've got some great memories and, and met some cool people there as well. Um, since then, I've been to Bali, Fiji, Hong Kong. Um, you know, Hong Kong was incredible, incredible place. The energy there is just a surreal. But yeah,
0: as far as New York, no. <laughs> Where's your favourite place to travel to? You may not have been there yet. Um, it's tough to say because they've all had
1: their own, you know, pros and cons. Um, Hong Kong, as far as as I guess cities was was the the biggest city and and my favourite city I've been to. You know, I've, I've got sure. some great friends there. The energy, the nightlife there was amazing, um, absolutely incredible. You know, drinking on the the hundred and thirtieth floor of one of the tallest buildings in the southern hemisphere looking down over Hong Kong Harbor, um, over the bay, which was beautiful and the giant Buddha statue there you have to go on this um, gondola which which is like a 45 minute gondola ride all the way around the side of the island before you get to the giant Buddha statue. So uh, Buddha <laughs> pronounce it correctly. Um, but yeah it was it was absolutely incredible walking through Mongkok to Fa Yuan Street, which is is where you know there's like 13 Nike stores in one street um sneakers for like 30 it was it was ridiculous experience um but then Fiji has probably been my favorite holiday um while I was in Fiji I did my open water scuba diving certificate Mm -hmm. and made friends with my dive instructor because it was just me and him for the first couple of days and um the next day, the, the last day I was diving, they were actually doing a, a shark dive. So they're going, you know, down to about 12 meters and they feed the sharks. And, um, you know, there's tiger sharks and bull sharks, lemon sharks, reef sharks, that sort of thing. And so he said, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get you on the dive. Usually you'd have to pay an extra $300. And he went away and he had a chat to the dive instructor and, and came back. And he's like, Man, I'm really sorry. He said, no, um, you know, but me and you will still do a dive anyway. We'll still go have some fun. And. I'm getting changed into my wetsuit and this guy walks in and I thought that guy looks like he's the owner, you know, he's the, he's the head of the operation and I'd read a little bit about him. And so I started chatting to him and I said, Oh, you're from South Africa. My, my brother-in-law's from South Africa. It's, you know, we're, we're in South Africa and it turned out they're from the same city They're from Durban. And I said, man, you've got a really good operation here. You know, I've dived in Vanuatu, I I dived in the Melbourne aquarium, um, you know, absolutely beautiful diving here. I'm, I'm really impressed and he's like oh yeah cool cool so what's your name Yeah, you know, we chatted away and he walks away and about 5 minutes later my dive instructor comes running in and said i don't know what you just told him but you're going on the shark dive and right. so i got to go down and and you know be a foot away from bull sharks as they're swimming past they're like the size of a mini um you know giant tiger sharks swimming above us it was just a, an amazing experience and and you know another one of those life changing moments that um has sort of inspired me. So that was a, an, another place I love. So Fiji for the nature side of things and uh, and Hong Kong for the city side of things. But yeah, Melbourne as far as, as places to live, you can't beat Melbourne.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hear that. Being in that situation with the sharks, is that something that you would, uh, a lot of people would be really afraid in that situation. Is that a, a, a simple decision for you or is that one that's, oh no, but it's a once in a lifetime, I have to do it? Oh, that was an easy
1: decision because I think too many people are afraid of life, you know, and Mm. and literally everything, like coming back to some of the stuff I've done online um, with work last year, you know, it's easy for me to go back to those people because they're not coming from a place of hate. They're coming from a place of fear. And we often only fear what we don't understand. So for me, uh, of course, you know, your first initial reaction is, oh, these sharks, what's going to happen? But I figure thousands of people dive with sharks every day and- there's minimal minimal risk you know it's like 0.02 percent of them ever actually get bitten yeah so to me I thought well if it's going to happen it's going to happen and it'll be happening while I do something completely incredible so just dive straight in you know I was, I was really happy about it um, I posted a video on Facebook recently actually of me skydiving over Melbourne and a lot of the comments are like man you look so calm and you, you're smiling like how did you stay so calm for that I said, "Well, how many people skydive a year? How many people actually die from it? You know, there's no reason mm. for you to fear it. You've just got to jump in and and you know, really enjoy life.
0: It's one one person's joy is another person's you know uh, uncontrollable fear, though.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and you know, again, it comes back to education. We only fear what we don't understand. Um, you know, the more you learn about something, the less you've got to fear from it. So." To people who are afraid of sharks, I would definitely suggest go to Melbourne Aquarium if you're in Melbourne. Um, it's about two hundred and forty dollars, and you get to go and dive in a, in a very safe environment with animals yeah, yeah. who are, you know, uh, in captivity. They're used to humans being in there with them. It's a very controlled dive. Um, you know, that was my first dive, and to me, it was it was a, another moment that kind of made me go, "Well, diving's really fun, and I want to do more of it. I want to do it in the open ocean." Um, so it was a way of sort of getting through that initial fear barrier without having to actually jump into one of those situations. That's a bit unpredictable.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, Dan, I understand how planes work. I'm not (laughs) afraid of flying, but it still amazes me that people choose to jump out of perfectly good airplanes.
1: Uh, until you've done it, it, it's, that is one of the questions you'd ask. Um, but definitely it, it. falling across, you know, Melbourne, as I say, looking at the horizon, you know, when you're up that high, the horizon line sort of you can see the curvature of the earth. When you're looking down on a city like that, there's just, it's nothing like it. Um, you know, that feeling of, of adrenaline and that feeling of like, I, I can see the world. Um It's another thing I actually wanted to do. I've only done the one dive. I've I've been meaning to, you know, I think it's about $2,000 to go get your your proper skydiver certificate so you can do solo dives. And uh, I'd absolutely love to do that at some point and maybe even give those wingsuits a try. Oh, yes. Yeah, they look like they would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of amazing footage of guys just flying at great speeds over or through holes that you just, would hurt if you went too far either way. Yeah, see, I
1: don't know about trying that. Um, you know, I imagine you'd have to be pretty experienced to be doing that. But, um, you know, Jeb Corliss, one of the, the main guys who's known for it, I can imagine he's he's had thousands of dives um, and you see him skimming, you know, a metre or two metres above the ground. There's no way I would be risking that. Um, I yeah. think that's you're really pushing the boundaries of, of life and death. Um, but having a go and, and you know, flying in in one of those wingsuits at a safe distance from the ground i'd absolutely
0: love to do it it would be amazing what for you dan is a source of strength um just i i guess knowing uh, as i
1: say that that any fear is just from a place of lack of education um so a source of strength for me is is that you know i, I know that there's nothing really to fear but fear itself um so as long as you, you know, do your own research, learn about whatever it is you're afraid about and uh, and just go for it, you know. The, it's someone even, I was talking to someone yesterday that they said about approaching people if they want to ask them out on a date. I said, well, they're either going to say yes or no. It's a 50-50 chance. And hmm. if they say no, so long as you've got no emotional attachment to that outcome, why would it bother you? There's 7 billion people on the planet. If they say no, there's going to be someone else who says yes. Yeah, keep asking. Exactly, and it's the same with with jobs with anything, you know. Um, what a funny story from my filming. I actually a couple of times I've bluffed my way through security, <laughs> and, and you know, ended up in these amazing situations. I, I did some filming for a, a rap battle league called Grind Time now, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian league, and um, they're, they're no longer around. But we did a, a big day out 2012. They did um, some on stage stuff, and so I got to go backstage and and you know be on stage filming that, which was really cool. Later on in that same tent, Odd Future were playing, and I was a a big fan of Odd Future at the time, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to try. So I've got this big backpack with my camera gear on. I walk straight up to security, and the guy's just like, no, you can't come back here. And I said, dude, you've seen me back here. You've seen the kind of camera I'm carrying. Sorry I don't have my pass on me today. They didn't give it to me, Um, but you've already seen me through here. So he's like, oh, okay, go backstage then. And so I ended up going backstage and, and meeting Tyler, the creator, and, and meeting you know Hodgie and a few of those guys. Great. And being literally standing behind them on the stage while they performed, uh, which was, was a pretty incredible experience. And got a, a, a funny photo with Tyler after the show. And then another time was when Kanye West and Nas toured, and I went to the after party uh, at a bar in, in Paran. And Actually did the did. same thing, just said to said to security, hey, man, my name's on the door. I was at the show filming and um, he just said, oh, I, you know, I can't be bothered dealing with this. Go talk to that person. And so through four different people, I finally ended up in the bar <laughs> and um, I could see the, there's a VIP section, which kind of glassed off and the security guard guarding the door. And I just thought, you know what? What have I got to lose? So yeah. I walked straight up and went to push the door and the security guard stops me. Where are you going? I said, you just saw me come out of here, man. I went to the bathroom and he's like, oh, okay, go in. And so I went in and, and ended up saying hi to Nas. And, and um, you know, I said, oh, man, I really loved your performance in Belly. And he sort of looks at me and he's like, you're the first person that's commented on that and not my music. And I was like, well, you know, I'm a movie fan. I, I want to direct. Great. And he ended up pouring me a champagne and, and hung out with them for a bit, which was cool. That's
0: that's very cool. Have we, have we become too risk
1: averse, Dan? I definitely think so. Um, you know, so many people are so afraid because they, whether it's, ma- you know, people talk about mainstream media generating fear, whether it's that or whether it's just self-esteem or, or, you know, in life, people are telling you you can't do something. Don't ever let someone tell you you can't do it. You know, it's it's all on you. If you believe you can do it, you're going to do it. Um, you know, you, you can, can walk into that boardroom and sit in front of the, the CEO of a company and sell them something if you believe you can do it you can you know it doesn't matter who you are it's all about your confidence and and you know having that education so if you if you know you want to do something learn about how to do it um one of the biggest things i've learned in life is is learning how how most people behave you know most people uh, uh, we all think the same we all act the same to an extent mm-hmm. um so if you approach someone openly honestly and, and you're genuine then they'll
0: react uh, relate to that in some of the stuff that we've been discussing, you, you've talked about some fairly what what some would consider fairly extreme adventures, you know, scuba diving with sharks and falling out of planes and those sorts of things. Yeah. How far does that stretch for you? Like, are you the kind of guy that would? Um, I, I don't know what they call it, but you see video and images of the, the guys that are climbing cranes that are multi multi stories up or or standing on the edges of buildings with with no. Kind of secure harness or anything does that light your fire well i I've, I've actually <laughs> I've done
1: stuff like that when I was
0: younger oh, um,
1: you know when I was as I said I was a sponsored rollerblader I used to throw myself off you know sets of stairs and down handrails and and flip over cars and things like that um, you know you've just got you've just got to really take life for what it is. And if you, if you know that you've, you're flexible, you, you work on your body, you stretch, you, you, you know, your musculature, whatever, if you're confident in what you're doing, then nothing is really going to be that daunting. Um, you know, I've, I've been in some crazy situations when I was young, but I guess even as a kid, I was, I was like that Mum always tells a story about, um, when I was, I was maybe four or five years old. And we were at the shopping mall and there was a, a gang member there, a guy from yeah, Mungrel Mob in New Zealand, um, which is is quite a big gang and he had full facial tattoos. And four years old, I just ran over to him and I'm like, What's that on your face? You know, and it was just that curiosity. If you're more curious about life than afraid of it, then then mm.
0: anything's possible. Gosh. Somewhere in all of that, when we go from the you know, the innocence of being young kids I mean, there's a healthy respect for for boundaries and understanding risk and those sorts of things but we do tend to go from being oh we'll take it on board to yeah that's not going to happen don't we
1: well that's it i think it's conditioning you know it it is it's all conditioning so the guy who's you know gone up and asked a few girls out and they've all rejected him he's now conditioned that all girls are going to reject him you know the the kid who went on a skateboard once and fell over and broke their wrist they're now going to be afraid of skateboards um you know, uh, the person who's gone into a, a business meeting and sat there and and been intimidated by the people that they're meeting and is you know, sweating and, and nervous and stuttering maybe, they're then going to develop this. You know, it's it's an evolutionary thing. You develop this natural like, okay, well that last time I did that, this thing happened. So next time, it's probably a good chance that's going to happen again. And so you become naturally afraid of these things. And to me, it, it's just ridiculous. You know, um. There's a, a movie, um, and you'll see me on on social media talk about this a lot. But Cloud Atlas is it changed my life. You know the book and mm. the movie, and I really don't think for anyone listening, you have to read the book then watch the movie. It's the only way to fully understand it. Um, the movie just doesn't explain, or is too complex to explain exactly what's going on. But then the movie showcases the beauty that is the book. So it's it's you know you got to take it as a combination. But there's this line in there where he said. Um, you know I've, I've realized that the boundary between noise and sound is only a convention and all boundaries are conventions and one can overcome any convention if you can first conceive of doing so so if you can see yourself doing something and you know that you're prepared for it you know if it's throwing yourself off a, out of a plane or, or climbing a tall building so long as you know that you've trained your body and you're, you're prepared for it then it's not an issue it's all just in the mind
0: that's such an amazing way to look at it. And, and bang on, you're right. If you prepare, if you, you go through all of those things, then you really are ready to do it, aren't you? Well, that's
1: right. Everything, it's, you know, the guy, I think I mentioned this to one of the rappers I met once who was a bit of a, a dick to me at first, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I ended up just saying to him, I said, dude, you're just another human being and you've practiced your, your craft a lot more than I've practiced your craft, but I've practiced my craft. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're both just men doing something that's, um, you know, creative and cool. So you don't need to have that attitude. And he was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. You know, I just every time I do a show, people want something from me. And it's hard to know who's genuine, who's not and who's just wanting a piece of, of you know, oh, I got to meet him or I got to talk to him, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're all people and it's all just down to experience as to as to who you are and what you do. You know, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, coming back to the business side of things, learn about what what it takes to have a successful meeting. You know, for me, if you're going to go approach a company and you're going to talk to them, research that company, learn who the key players are, learn a little bit about them, you know, get to know who they are. And that way, when you go into that meeting, you know who they are, you know who you're dealing with and and you've got something to talk about. So you've got nothing to fear in that case.
0: Yes. Yeah, entirely. Entirely. What one thing Dan would you change about your life today?
1: Ah, that's a tough one. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know that I'd change anything. Um maybe I would have studied harder in school. I mean, I was I, I was always a, a, a good academically and I was top of my school for quite a few subjects. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because I'd um I grew up, it's a bit more context, I guess. I grew up in a small town and I was one of the only kids there who was into basketball and hip hop. Everyone else was, was into rugby and, and, you know, heavy metal. And so I got bullied a lot, you know, I was was absolutely every day, you know, punched, kicked, whatever, um, Mm -hmm. every name you can think of. And because of that, because of not having many friends growing up, all I did was read, you know, so I became very good academically, um, just from that, you know, and a natural curiosity. But by the time I got to high school, I switched schools. I actually got asked to leave my intermediate through, uh, through a fight when I, the first time I'd ever fought back, pretty much. Oh and um, so I ended up going to another school. And at the new school, I was like, well, I can reinvent myself here. You know, no one here knows me. No one here's, you know, I'm not in that small town anymore where everyone knows that's the kid you bully. Um, and so I started hanging out with, uh, I guess, a bunch of people who weren't going. On the right path. You know, we ended we, you know, up getting arrested a few times together, and I've, I've done quite a few things I'm not necessarily that proud of. But at the same time, it helped me grow as a human being. But what it did mean is that I, I never went to university. You know, I, I was like, well, I can go to uni. And I started studying a business degree um, through a you know, tertiary institute. But part way in, I was like, man, I don't want to do this. I just want to hang out, get drunk, get high with my friends and, and skate every day. And so that's what I did. I, I took like five years off and I was I was just teaching rollerblading one or two days a week mm-hmm. and um, survived on that. And, and you know, uh, just literally my days were my own. It was just total freedom. But I wasn't reading at all through that entire time. I just, I guess I was getting a lot of life experience, but I wasn't necessarily on a career path at that point. So that's that's possibly one thing I, I might change if I was to go back, is to uh, to take school a bit more seriously and take my education a bit more seriously. But again, even saying that, I wouldn't be where I am if if any of that had happened. So, oh,
0: totally. So, what makes you smile, Dan?
1: Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I I just you know I I figure there's no time to be sad, you know. Um, no matter what you're going through in life, there's always a bright side. There's always something that you can look at. There's always someone out there doing something inspiring. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I actually I say this a lot, but I don't even know where the quote came from is inspiration is the greatest gift you can give. So I take inspiration from everybody and I love to inspire people. Um, if, as long as you're doing that, you're always going to be smiling. That's not to say I don't have bad days, but, you know, sure. but I always know that there's going to be something better around the corner. So, why dwell on it?
0: Absolutely. So, given that, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months?
1: Ah, well, actually, you're the first person I'm I'm announcing this to. I guess um, as part of the publicity around what I did at work, I ended up getting a very big platform um, to, I guess, speak and and bring some of my creative ideas to life and one of those ideas I had a few years ago was a book uh, to raise money for victims of domestic violence yes and now that's becoming a reality you know I've got um, a lot of people that I've networked with through the music filming uh, involved Um, you know rappers like 360 scribe lady six um, authors like Omar Musa, who's got uh, you know best-selling book here come the dogs definitely should read that if you're you're interested in Australia and uh, and hip-hop Uh, Luca Lesson, who is is, a national title holder in poetry. Um, So some really great people involved and a few friends from around the world as well. And and what I've asked them to do is all contribute 500 words on the topic of love. And I said, you know, just anything, it could be about your first love. It could be about a love you lost, about your ideal love, um, you know, observations of another love, love for your family, anything, just around that theme of love. And the book is is called Love in the Age of ADHD. And it's kind of a play on on Love in the Time of Cholera by uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, mm-hmm. um, and the reason for that is is right now it, it is kind of the age of ADHD. Everyone has really short attention spans. You know, we've been talking for thirty four minutes. I doubt many people would listen to the entire thirty four minutes, but you never know. Um, but I figured if if all of these people that are involved. Uh, are willing to contribute 500 words, that's that's a short thing for them. It's not a huge deal to write 500 words, which means it's not like this huge project I'm committing them to. It's it's just give me your 500 words. I'll, I'll do the rest. Awesome. Uh, and the same goes for the people reading it. You know, people might not necessarily want to sit down and read a 20,000 word novel, but they could read 500 words while they're sitting on the toilet or, or sitting in a, in a waiting room somewhere or it's, you know, coffee table book. And then they can come back to it later if they really want to. So it kind of fits in with everybody's short attention spans. Um, And and I think it'd be really interesting bringing all these really creative, talented people who are amazing wordsmiths, you know, rappers, singers, poets, writers, bringing them all together and and working on this project. And um, hopefully we can, can raise some really good money. That's so, so great. Yeah, well, I had the idea, as I say, three years ago and spoke to a few of them about it back then and they were like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. But of course, back then I didn't have a platform to, to, I guess, push for the project to actually go ahead, Um, whereas now I've I've got a lot of people backing me and... um, you know, a few doors that have opened that might not necessarily have opened previously. And so so now I've got the opportunity to do that. And, and you know, it's a really good cause. I figure it's, you know, victims of domestic violence, they need love the most, you know, they're people who, who may not necessarily have much faith in love after what they've been through, um, or, or have a very distorted view of love. And so if we can, can raise some money and, and support those people, and, you know, spread some some positivity in the world at the same time, then that's a really good thing to do.
0: That's a totally great thing to do.
1: So, yeah, I don't want a cent from this. I want it all to go to those people.
0: Dan, that, that is phenomenal and such a great thing. We're about Do we have a timeline on it? Like you're planning to publish it
1: when? Man, if if everything goes to plan, and and it is a very tight time frame at the moment. Um, oh, the other thing I should mention is each of those pieces, I've actually got graffiti artists, tattoo artists, and illustrators who are going to draw a custom design based on oh, those pieces right. as well. So that's going to add to the visual element, which fits in with the ADHD theme too. Yeah, um, and I'm aiming for if if all goes to plan, we want to release it. Uh, you know, get it in production and and release it on Mother's Day because I thought what better day? You know, it's a day of love, it's a day of celebration. And quite often a lot of the people who are victims of domestic violence are, are mothers or single mothers. And so it's it just, it all ties in together as, as being a really good, a good time, I guess, to release that. Um, and, and it would make a great gift for people for Mother's Day. Yeah, that's superb, man. Great idea. You're going to be very busy. Well, at, at the moment, as I say, because everyone else is doing the contributions, um, for me, the busy side of it is just chasing everybody up and making sure it happens, um, You know, outside of that, it's not like I'm sitting and writing down a full novel myself and I'm I'm not sitting down doing all the illustrations. So it's, you know, a little bit of effort from everyone involved and and it all ties together. And the other thing I've done is 21 authors, 21 illustrators adding up to 42, kind of a play on the uh, Hitchhiker's Mm -hmm. Guide to the Galaxy with 42 being the meaning of life. So I just wanted to kind of have a few different themes running along with it, uh, which kind of add to the, I guess, the, um, the uniqueness of the project.
0: That is so great, Dan. I cannot wait to see this book. It's gonna be marvelous.
1: Yeah, well, it, hopefully it all goes to plan. Um, you know, I'm I'm still chasing everyone up for submissions. So if if it's in production in time, um, you know, it, it could be a very good thing. But if it's not, you know, if it doesn't make Mother's Day, so be it. Uh, you know, there's there's other days coming up or there's other other times we can release it. It's not that big a deal if it doesn't uh, get out on mother's day but i just think if we could get it out on mother's day it's it's just perfect timing
0: yeah and absolutely dan thank you so much for sharing what you have with us today that's an amazing conversation i really do appreciate it please know that what you've shared is very special and that you're highly valued thank you so much
1: you're welcome thanks for the chat steve
0: very clearly you're on Twitter. are there other social media accounts that you want to admit to
1: um, well I've got obviously my my personal Facebook page that's actually all public um, and i've got uh, I've got nothing to hide you know uh, when the story first broke from work um, it was it was kind of a hey, you might want to just make your personal page pro- private. And I said, well, why would I do that? I've always had it public. Um, you know, I, I share a lot of really cool things on there. So if people want to check it out and yes. they want to want to have a look at some of those those things, then you know, by all means. Um, but yeah, across pretty much all social media, I'm, I'm shoot cut drop uh, because I shoot videos, I cut them up, and I drop
0: them online. This has been humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at shoot cut drop is indeed human. Thank you. I did some nosing around on Facebook and and those sorts of things. You have got some stuff going on, my friend.
1: Yeah, well, I've um actually I another thing I just released two weeks ago was a documentary for the Hip Hop Flood Relief, um, which was another really amazing cause. And it's a, it's a crazy story in itself. Um, a friend of mine, Dave Barrett, who runs the the George's Bar, um, you know, everyone's talking about oh, George yep. Seinfeld yeah. Bar in, in Melbourne. He at the time was a, a tour promoter, and he had Farrow Monch, Boogie Blind, Mila Machinko, and Showtime out here on tour. Wow! And um, they were sitting in the hotel because their their show with Most Def had been cancelled, um, you know, because of the floods and and mm-hmm. you know other reasons. Mm-hmm. And so they were sitting there in the hotel room with nothing to do for a few days, and they were watching all the news break of the the 2011 floods in Queensland, what happened in Toowoomba, and and you know a lot of the small communities up there. And Farrow just said, man, I want to do something to help these people. You know, we've got nothing else to do right now. We're sitting in the hotel. Let's do something that, that, that helps them. And that was on, on the Wednesday, I think. Uh, and Dave came up with this idea. He said, well, let's put on a show. Let's get some other artists involved. Let's yeah. put on a show and let's see if we can raise some money. And so within 24 hours, he had the entire lineup, the advertising out, all the websites talking about it. So li- literally Wednesday night at like 2 a.m., so Thursday morning, 2 a.m., he came up with the concept. Friday night, the show actually happened, and it was sold out, 1,000 people in the venue at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne, raised over $20,000 for the victims of the floods, and um, they ended up with rappers like Briggs, Mantra, Pears, uh, Young Lean, who's a-, a rapper from New Zealand. He actually goes under a different name now. Um uh eliza wolfgram thief and wolfgram came down and did uh, a set Mm -hmm. as well pharaoh monch obviously did the final set um which was i've filmed pharaoh five times and that's probably the best set i've ever seen him do you know he is the shot in the start of his performance where he picks up the mic stand and throws it at the ground almost like a spear as the crowd starts chanting um for the simon says song and it's just the ah i still get chills watching it You know, and um, another artist was promo from Loop Troop Rockers, who's a rapper out of Sweden. He did a a, a solo set. And um, in the the little interview in the documentary I've done, he talks about how he never does solo sets. He said, I've always got, you know, the other guys from Loop Troop with me, even if I'm doing my own solo music, I've always got them on stage with me. But because they'd already flown back to Sweden, he, he didn't have that this time. And he said, Usually I'd be really, really nervous but the energy of the crowd and and the good cause that it was all for and the feeling on the night, he said, I, I didn't have any nerves. You know, I felt like it was, it was really uplifting. And so he performed and and I was just blown away by his music as well. You know, he does a lot of songs, which are really socially conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talks about, uh, you know, how can we, how can we sleep with all this unrest in the world and all this injustice? Uh, and then he's got this one song called these walls don't lie. And it's about a Swedish kid who moved to Melbourne way, way, way back, you know, early, early, late 90s, maybe early 2000s, um, who was a graffiti artist and was quite well known in the the Melbourne graffiti scene. and, And he shared a lot of Loop Troops music with people in the graffiti scene here when they were unheard of. And they ended up getting quite a big fan base here. And one night he was out painting and he got hit by a train and died. And Loop Troop found out about this, and they wrote this song called "These Walls Don't Lie," and, and it's a dedication to this kid from Melbourne. And it's it's a beautiful song, one of the coolest wow. hooks I've heard in, in years. It's a, it's a real you know catchy hook. You want to sing along to it, and he performed that that night. And of course, there were a lot of people in the crowd who knew that kid personally, and so to have a thousand people chanting along to that song was just an amazing experience. Gosh, Dan, wow. So yeah, look that one up, Hip Hop Flood Relief. It's on YouTube now. Um, it's about 50 minutes long, but it's it's an energizing watch. It's well worth watching.